Church family, can you all hear me okay? Good. Again, thanks, Chad. Appreciate that. How about that worship? That was good worship, wasn't it? I love to be in the presence of the Lord just to offer our praises and our hearts to Him. This morning, I want to dig into a passage of Scripture uh, in Philippians 2, so you can go ahead and turn there if you have your Bibles or your phone apps. Uh, One of my favorite quotes about Scripture comes from Charles Spurgeon. He said, the Word of God is like a lion in a cage. All we have to do is let it out. And that's my hope and my prayer this morning, that the power of God to liberate, to empower our lives, uh, to lead us into the way of Jesus would be released this morning. Let's jump in. Philippians 2, verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your deep and rich love for us. Please open our hearts to receive your love and to learn to give your love this morning. Amen. Have you ever been loved really well? Sometimes I like to just think about the people in my life who've shown me love really well. Um, Some years ago, I went to Brazil for a missions trip. Um, I traveled down a month ahead of the missions team, and I just lived with a missionary family in Brazil. And one of the amazing things about this experience was this family from another culture who spoke another language welcomed me in as if I was a son in their own family. Got to eat meals with them, got to wash clothes with them, got to go on river trips, visiting villages with them. The mom in the family named Cleosi, uh, she told me that if I spoke English instead of Portuguese at the dinner table, she would spank me. I was 20 at the time. <laughs> They really just welcomed me in and showed me uh, amazing hospitality, amazing love. There's been a lot of people through my life who've shown me love like that, and there has for you too. Um, One thing about love is that we don't learn what love is by hearing it explained to us. How many know that's true? We learn what love is by being loved personally. That's one of the reasons that God didn't just love us from heaven, but he came as a human to walk among us in our culture and speak our language and to show us what love is like. That's what Paul's talking about in this passage of Philippians. Um, Philippians was a letter written by Paul to the church in Philippi. Uh, Philippi um, was a church that supported Paul in his missionary journeys. They um, sent him financial gifts to meet his needs. 
they were especially dear to Paul. In this letter, we find him saying things like, I thank my God every time I think of you, and that he longs to be with them. These were good friends of Paul that um, he held dear. Today, Philippians would probably be called a missionary support letter because he gives updates on the spread of the gospel, on his missionary ventures, on his missionary companions. Um, And his main focus in this letter is to call us to a life of love with Jesus as our example. So let's look at this verse by verse. Verse 1, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. Paul doesn't doubt that the Philippians have found these things, but he's, he's asking if they have them to remind them of what they've received that they've found encouragement and love and comfort in the body of Christ and in Jesus. Verse 2 through 4, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. I don't know about you, but it's an amazing thing when a group of people can be united in heart, united in mind, and united in love. It's not an easy thing. It's a difficult thing. And he uh, then expands on how this can happen Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Is there anyone besides me who's here at church this morning who finds themselves naturally (laughs) self-centered? I know for me, I think about my interests first most of the time. I just do. And sometimes I think I'm the most important person in the room which is not the case. Here, the Lord is challenging us and challenged the Philippians to do nothing out of selfish ambition, to not seek to advance or promote ourselves, but rather in humility to value others as more important than ourself. It's a challenge for us who tend to be so proud, so self-centered and self-concerned, but it's the call that we have in Jesus not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. When people like this family in Brazil set aside their own interests and their own convenience to welcome me and to care for my needs, I couldn't even buy groceries, you know. I hardly could speak Portuguese. Then it really shows love in an amazing way. Verse 5, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Paul knows this kind of self um, denying love, this love that puts others first, is a challenge for us. And so he's going to give Jesus as our example. The section he's about to talk about, he talks about Jesus, um, his story, his life, his death, his resurrection. And a lot of scholars think that this was a, a poem, a confession, maybe even a hymn of the early church, just because of its structure and how poetic it is. Um, it's fun to think about maybe the house churches. Um, early in Christianity, gathering around a dinner table and singing uh, these words in Aramaic or Greek. Verse 6, Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. ESV says he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Do we have any Avengers fans in the house? I am an unashamed fan of the Avengers movies. One of the movies uh, that I particularly like is called Infinity War. 
And in Infinity War, the villain is Thanos. He's a titan who goes on a quest to gather all five Infinity Stones. The Avengers, of course, are trying to stop him from gaining unlimited power. But Thanos, and in the end, he succeeds in gathering all these stones, and he sets them into a gauntlet, a metal glove that he wears. And it's an amazing symbol of grasping for power, of grasping for authority, of grasping for influence that didn't belong to him. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I do the same thing, especially when I have loved ones or friends who are making decisions that I don't think are good decisions. It's tempting for me to try to have some control in their life, some influence in their life. But that is not the way of Jesus. Jesus did not come grasping for power or authority. Rather, he had power and authority and influence and comfort and all the glory of heaven. But he laid it aside. Verse 7. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. It's really an amazing thing that God became human. Can I hear an amen? Uh, And he didn't just become human as a man, but he started as a baby. It's amazing to think about the God of the universe submitting himself to that kind of weakness, that kind of frailty, that kind of process of growing up from birth to learning to talk and learning to walk. Can you imagine seeing Jesus stumbling over his words, trying to say his parents' names, or falling as he learned to walk? He really was human in every way. He went through puberty, too. I wonder what that was like. He chose a career. He knows that challenge of committing the hours and hours to learn a skill and a trade. He knows what it's like to be unappreciated, maybe um, feel unimportant. When he walked on the earth, he crossed every boundary to love people in person. He left heaven to come to earth. He went from being God to being God and man. As a Jew, he crossed cultural boundaries to love Samaritans who were despised by the Jews. As a man, he took time to honor and talk with women who were thought unimportant in that culture. As a healthy person, he prioritized the sick, healing them and spending time with them. As a righteous person, he spent time with sinners, people who were thought wicked and evil and unimportant and shunned. Those were the people that he wanted to hang around. I want to highlight a couple stories that show this kind of love that, um, that Jesus showed. In Luke 5, we read that while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. As some of you know, leprosy was thought to be horribly contagious in the first century. So lepers were completely shunned, completely rejected from society and culture. Um, But Jesus didn't think they were untouchable. Jesus reached out and touched the man that nobody else would touch. There's nobody that is untouchable to Jesus. There's nobody that is unwelcome to Jesus. In Mark 2, we read that while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, 
Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus um, did not choose as his friends the people who thought they were righteous or who thought they had life all put together. He chose the people who didn't have their life all in order. He chose the people who were thought unimportant, who were thought outsiders, who were thought minorities. These are the people that Jesus wanted to spend his time with. And having gone low to live a human life, Jesus went lower still. Verse 8. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Here in the 21st century, I don't think we really understand the cross very well. To us, like having this cross on the back wall, it's more a symbol of honor and of faith than anything else. But for people in the first century, the cross was uh, an instrument of execution and torture in the Roman Empire, right? Um, there were hundreds of people who were crucified in this era of the Roman Empire, most of them rebels against the Roman authorities. And crucifixion was designed to be as painful as possible, as disgraceful as possible, and as public as possible to make an example out of these rebels so that nobody else would dare to question the authority of Rome. Jesus willingly embraced that kind of disgrace, that kind of suffering, that kind of pain for our sakes. Some of you know the pain of rejection. Some of you know the pain of being betrayed. Some of you know the pain of physical illness and disability, suffering. So does Jesus. He's been there. After he died on the cross, Jesus' disciples laid him in a cold stone tomb cut out of the rock. And when Jesus was at his weakest, he was at the end of his strength, he was at the end of his human ability. That's when God showed his power. On the third day, Jesus' brutalized body sitting in the tomb healed. And he took a breath and he sat up. An angel rolled away the stone from the tomb, and Jesus walked out of death. He walked out of the tomb. He spent 40 days with his disciples, talking about the kingdom of God. Then he sent them to tell the world about him. And he ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of his Father. In the story of Jesus, we can see that suffering is never the end, and death is never the end. That where our strength ends, and where our ability is not enough, God is enough. Amen? Verses 9 through 11. Therefore, because he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death on a cross, therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue 
acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus showed such perfect love that he, he's really worthy of our devotion. He's worthy of our love. He's worthy of our lives. And perhaps the thing that pleases him most is when we are willing to follow in his example. Paul's focus in this scripture is to call us to follow the example of Jesus. And there's a lot of other scriptures that call us to follow his example. Let's look at a few. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. From John 15, This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I loved you. 1 Peter, Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. A few years ago, that scripture really surprised me. Um, I grew up in the church, like maybe some of you, and for a long time I thought that Jesus suffered so that I wouldn't have to suffer in this life. How many have thought that? But what scripture shows us is that Jesus suffered so that we could be forgiven, reconciled to God, welcomed into God's family, and have an eternal life that's full of joy and abundance. But he never promised that we would not have suffering here in this life. Actually, as 1 Peter says, he suffered to give us an example of how to love and be willing to suffer for the sake of others. Matthew 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Sometimes I wonder if we're so busy enjoying God's blessings or our own pleasures that we forget those who don't have his blessing. We may forget those who are outside of his family, outside of his kingdom. We may forget those who are not as wealthy as us, not as well off as us. The heart of Jesus loves people so much that there's nothing he wouldn't sacrifice to reach out to people who are in need. Sometimes I think when we talk about this, it can feel like a burden, like, oh, I have to live a life of suffering and sacrifice for other people. But Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. How could he say that when he was looking forward to the cross? In my experience, when I have a sincere love for someone, then the sacrifices that I make for them hardly feel like a sacrifice. Right? When we really have a sincere love for someone, then it is a joy to sacrifice something for their sake. Um, our own Scott Hines said it well. He said, sacrifice is giving up something you love for something you love more. And that's a joy. That's a joy. Now I want to talk about what it might look like for us to follow this example of Jesus in loving one another. I think love can look like many things, but one thing I know, love looks like something. Love doesn't look like sitting back and watching. It doesn't look like hoping things will get better. Love looks like something. Matthew 25 gives us a glimpse of what Jesus thinks love looks like. In Matthew 25, Jesus 
is um, describing Judgment Day when all people come before God to receive rewards for the life they lived. And um, Jesus welcomes some into his heavenly kingdom forever. And he gives this as the reason. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. We know that salvation is by faith. It's a gift of God. But how many know that if there's real faith, if there's trust in Jesus, there will be a life of love? Amen? I think sometimes we forget what it's like to be hungry or thirsty or sick or in prison and lonely. And Jesus calls us to think of those who are not as well off as us and to make them a priority. I want to share some stories of what this love can look like, what it's looked like here for me in Klamath Falls. Um, about six years ago, I moved from Grants Pass to Klamath Falls to become a student at OIT. Um, OIT students in the house? Yeah, woot woot, finals coming up. How's that going? Buried in homework? Did you get any sleep last night? <laughs> um, I know what that's like. <clears throat> when I was a stranger in Klamath Falls, there was a couple here in the church named Brian and Sue Vaughn. They were two of the first people to welcome me into their house and treat me like family. And as a lot of you know, that means so much when you're a stranger in a town, when you don't have friends, when you just feel out of place, to be welcomed in is a real gift. In November, I had pneumonia. I was quite sick, spent several weeks in bed. I did not enjoy it at all. And uh, there were some wonderful people in the church who took the initiative to bring me groceries and to bring me meals, unasked and unprompted. Some of those were Susie Daniels and Rachel Burkett and Tori Lancaster. <clears throat> some of the ways that God has challenged me to love here in Klamath Falls has been um, by considering those who don't know his love who are outside of his family. And I've been asking God to give me his heart for those people and show me how to reach out to them, show me how to connect with them. Um, I have a coworker who recently lost his mom to cancer. Um, as some of you know, that's a pain that I can't take away. That's a pain that I can't do anything about as a friend. And I've talked with him some about the Lord, but he's not a believer, so he doesn't have much hope when he looks death in the face. Um, and what the Lord led me to do was just to sit with him and just to let him talk about how hard it was. It's kind of hard for me. I'm, I'm a fixer. I like to just, you know, make things right. Uh, but some suffering can't be fixed by us. It just needs to be shared. Some suffering can't be fixed by us. It just needs to be shared. Um, I have a sister who goes by the name Jack. She identifies as gender neutral. If you don't know what that means, you can ask somebody under 25 after the service, and they can help you out. Um, a few years ago, she um, told her family, you know, that she identified as gender neutral. She wanted to go by Jack, that she wasn't going to follow Jesus. And that was hard for me at the time, to be really honest. 
Um, up until that point, I had had a real voice in her life. She would listen to what I would say. She would take that into account in her life decisions. And suddenly, I didn't have that anymore. I didn't have that voice. I didn't have that influence. And that was really hard for me to come to terms with. Um, this is one of those relationships, one of those situations where I wanted to grasp for power. I wanted to grasp for some influence, some, some weight in this situation and, you know, help her make the right decisions or something. Uh, but that is not the way of Jesus. Jesus did not come to control. He did not come to dominate. He did not come to manipulate. He came to love humbly as a servant. And that is how we have to come if we're to love people and if people are to experience Jesus. We might know the right thing they should do, but they're not going to listen to us until they know that we're willing to come as a humble servant. Um, yeah. The Lord also led me to um, go outside my comfort zone to show some love and respect to her. Uh, I went with her to an LGBTQ event in Grants Pass at a gay bar. And to be honest, for a homeschooled Christian person, that was a real eye-opening experience. <laughs> uh, I got to sit with some gay people, some transgender people, just listen to their stories, show them some honor and respect, even got to pray with one person. Um, the Lord calls us to honor every person, to consider every person as important and worthwhile to Him. Jesus chose to spend his time with the people who were thought unimportant, who were thought outsiders. They were the people that Jesus prioritized, and we should do some of the same. Um, it's worth saying, though, that we should be wise when we go into situations that are radically different, um, places outside our comfort zone, relationships that challenge us, um, Jesus came, yes, into our culture, into our situation, and spoke our language, but he never compromised. He represented his Father well. Um, and so we need to be wise. We need to um, be aware of our strengths, aware of our weaknesses, and as we go to love people of every kind, uh, to not compromise in our convictions, to not compromise in our values, and to support one another. One more story. Um, I work at Jeldwin as a product engineer. Uh, I've been traveling a lot for them, visiting a factory in Illinois. And um, when I went that back there the first time in November, I knew God had some purpose in mind besides just work. So I kind of had my eyes open, maybe somebody he'd want me to build friendship with. I met a man named Ron in the factory. Excuse me. I met a man named Ron in the factory who works on the production line. And some people would say that an engineer on a project is more important than the person who works on the production line. But I actually don't think that's true because it doesn't matter how well I design something, if it's not built well, it's worth nothing. So I considered that I would go low, I would go as a servant, and I would make him look good. I would make his job as easy as possible. Over the course of a few weeks, we built some relationship, some trust. Uh, again, I was just working every day to serve him to the best of my ability. And I didn't even talk about Jesus for a couple weeks. I went bowling with his family on the weekend, had a good time together, and I invited him to come to a church with me that I'd visited out there that um, I trusted and thought was a great church. And he came. He brought his wife, he brought his two daughters, 
his daughter's boyfriend came, and I had no idea what God had in store for them. Uh, during worship that first Sunday, his wife started crying as God was ministering to her and speaking to her heart. Their son's boyfriend gave his life to Jesus that first Sunday. Amen. Uh, and I came back here, and they continued to go to the church every Sunday to seek the Lord and to grow in the Lord. This was a family that believed in a God somewhere out there, but didn't follow Jesus, didn't know about him. And uh, they're just like kids. It's so fun. Every time I go back to visit, they tell me about what God is speaking to them through the Bible and what he's doing in their lives. It's so good. And uh, I can't help but wonder if all that God is doing in their life began with my showing simple love and service without an agenda, without trying to convince them or control them or manipulate them, but just to love them honestly, not knowing what could come out of it. Um, As some of you know, things don't always turn out so well when we try to love people. Um, Six months ago, I had a roommate who joined me in my house. Um, Not a believer, but curious about Christianity and the Lord. So... Over the last six months, we've played games together. We've stayed up late into the night talking. Um, I've shared some scripture with him and my testimony with him and um, just tried to represent Jesus well as we live together. He's a student at OIT in the same program that I was in. Um, And prayed for him. I just did everything I knew to love him, to serve him, and I was hoping that he would come to know the Lord. And um, he decided that he didn't want to put up with us anymore he moved out on Friday. That was discouraging to me, to be really honest. That was discouraging to me. But the outcome of people's lives is not our responsibility. Amen? We are responsible to love and to serve and to give to the best of our ability and to trust God with the rest. If we could have the worship team come back up, I'm going to close in a couple minutes. When we come to the end of our strength and to the end of our ability, then God can do what we can't do. Uh, Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. He says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The way I apply that scripture is that when I'm weak, when I feel like I've come to the end of my ability, to the end of my resources, to the end of my everything, uh, then I remember to depend on God and to depend on Him with everything I have. And that's where real strength and power is found. I'm convinced that if we give our all to loving people, not judging them, not controlling them, but just showing the honest, humble love of Jesus, that we will see a lot of people in our community come to know the Lord. We will see people healed. We will see families restored. We will see the suicide rate decrease. We will see life and the kingdom of God in our community. Can I hear an amen? And even if we don't, Jesus is worthy of our best. He's worthy of our all. He's worthy of our love. Let's go ahead and stand.
as we worship with another song. Let's ask the Lord a simple question. What are you saying to me today?